Welcome to Seniority Authority, the podcast where I track down experts to answer your questions on aging. I'm your host, Kathleen Toomey. Let's get smarter about growing older. Does this question resonate with you? I don't feel done. There's more for me to do. If life didn't turn out as you expected, make a change. Turn up the volume on this next episode with a corporate vice president who left a successful career at age 65 to become a documentary filmmaker. Older women shouldn't feel invisible, believes Melissa Davey, a corporate vice president who fulfilled her lifelong dream of becoming a filmmaker at age 65. She founded a production company to help her and started on a quest to complete her first film, Beyond 60, interviewing more than 100 women to select the nine that comprise the film. And what they have to say is worth hearing. Thanks to our show sponsor, The Riverwoods Group, Northern New England's largest family of nonprofit retirement communities, where active adults find community, purpose, and peace of mind. Visit riverwoodsgroup.org. Now, let's hear from today's guest. Welcome to Seniority Authority. I'm your host, Kathleen Toomey. What we now know is that the average human lifespan is much longer than ever before. Just consider this, that Social Security, which was created in 1933, set the age of benefits at 65, which was at that time, the average age of death. Now we are predicted to live at, to at least 85 and beyond, which leaves 20 years of living after our official retirement age. You can look at this as an opportunity or a burden, or as Melissa Davey, our guest sees it, a chance to fulfill a life dream. I'm so glad to have you on the program, Melissa. Let's talk about your career as a corporate vice president. Where did that aspiration come from? Okay, well, I never really aspired too much (laughs) in my life, to be perfectly honest with you. And what happened with me was I took every opportunity that was put in front of me and kind of fell into what I call different chapters in my life. I started out what I thought was going to be a teacher track way, way back. And that didn't feel quite right for me. Then I went into the nonprofit world in legal services, uh, where I did a lot of legal work nationally and did disability work for a very long time. And then that work led me to the corporate world. They found me and recruited me into their corporation to build a similar program to what I was doing in the nonprofit world, which would translate to the for-profit world. So I ended up there for more than two decades in this ever-growing company, national in scope. And I built their first social security disability representation program for them which was a program that was used by disability insurance carriers nationally. So that became a very large venture. I had a wonderful time there. I traveled all over the country all the time, had various office locations, a lot of staff, and I was very comfortable there. So when I turned 65, I was luckily in a company that did not expect me to leave 
But I myself at that point started looking at the clock and the calendar and said, now, wait a minute. Am I still going to do this and die at my desk? Or are there some things that maybe I've always secretly wanted to do, but I hadn't ventured out to do them? I love the fact that you consider your career as a series of chapters, because right now we know that kids that are graduating from college are going to have not just different jobs, but actually different careers. And you pioneered that before it was even traditional. So I like that. And I think it's a good way to think about your life. The other thing I think is fascinating is that you didn't take the safe track. So the safe track is staying, doing what you're doing and continuing in this role. But instead you saw age 65 as an opportunity. So how long before you retired, did you start thinking about, I might want to make a change? Was it sudden? Was it planned? It wasn't planned at all. Again, I will be very honest about my non-planning in my life. (laughs) Usually things come to me all of a sudden and I think about it and I will make a change if I feel that it's the right thing for me to do. I wasn't planning it and I really wasn't thinking about retirement because I didn't feel like I was done. And like I said, the company that I worked for was very open to having people stay as long as they want. They would never say, gee, you're 65, you're washed up, it's time to go home. So that was unique in itself because many companies I know have retirement plans for people and want them to leave. There wasn't something that happened at work and that was that we were being bought out again by private equity and I'd been through that a few times. And the CEO who I reported to said to me, so what do you want to do? They're going to expect another five years where we mm-hmm. all, we would all sign up again for another five years and everybody would work hard to grow the business some more. And that's when it hit me. When he said that, I realized, oh, geez, I'm 65. That means I would be making a commitment to 70. I remember sitting there and that just hit me like a ton of bricks. And the question to me was, do I really want to do this another five years when I'm getting older and opportunities are getting smaller for many reasons? And so I started to do this natural kind of inventory of my life and all of the things that I hadn't done. And some of them were wild dreams like filmmaking or playing a saxophone. I don't even read music. There were all these things that as a young person, I fantasized about. I didn't talk about them with people. I didn't Mm -hmm. act on them, but they started bubbling up. And I thought, well, gosh, this is the time. I better do something. So when you hit 65 and you've been successful as far as doing a good job and creating things and having them work for you, you're at a pretty high confidence level, much higher than say when you were 40 and you were just learning the ropes and making mistakes, correcting them and moving forward. So I said, well, geez, if I could build this, and I didn't know what I was doing when I built the division of the company, I guess I could do what I want to do. I could probably at least try anything. And that's when it came to, okay, what is realistic? And to me, it was, I want to make a movie. I want to make a film. I've always been interested in film and how films are created. I've read about it. I've watched films 
my whole life and gotten lost in them. And I thought, I think that's what I want to try to do. So, you know, a funny thing did happen that really solidified that. That's a story in itself. And then after that happened, I went in and gave my notice. Wait, wait, wait. Now you have to tell me the funny story. You can't just oh, drop it. <laughs> what happened okay. that helped so while I'm you? Do- <laughs> while I'm doing this inventory, I'm still working. Right. And uh, I was down in Washington, D.C. at a congressional meeting for Social Security, which I've gone to them for many decades. And I'm sitting there at the table with all these people in Congress. And I remember it hitting me like Groundhog Day. Like, gee whiz, we've had this same meeting for 20 years. Why aren't we moving forward? And what a drag this is. And I remember feeling like, ugh, I don't want to do this anymore. Not this piece. So I left early after my piece was done. I said what I had to say. Left early, drove back up to Pennsylvania, went to a friend's house for lunch as opposed to going back to work because I really needed a break. And we, she's much younger. She has a young child. She said, you have to come with me to pick up Grace from school. So we went to pick up Grace and then we dropped her off in Chester County up a dirt road at a horse barn where she worked after school. And as we were driving, my friend Lori said, I come here every day and look over there. I think they're making a movie. So I looked over and and she was right. They were definitely making a movie. So we dropped Grace off, came back down and stopped. And I said, oh, wow, this is so fascinating. Look at the, oh. And then I said, I bet I know who it is. And she looked at me like I was a little crazy and said, how could you possibly? I said, we're in the middle of the woods. It looks kind of creepy. And it's Pennsylvania. It's Chester County. It's probably M. Night Shyamalan. And so he, he lives here and does his filming locally. So I pulled out my iPhone and got on the internet and put in his name and up popped a picture of where we were sitting. Wow. He he had taken a picture of where we were sitting and put it on his website. And it said M night Shyamalan making a micro budget film in Chester County, Pennsylvania. And then there was a little button, a red button that said charity buzz. So I hit that, didn't know what it was. And boom, up comes Win a Day on the set with M. Night Shyamalan. <gasps> right. So wow. So my friend <laughs> is saying, oh, you have to do it. You have to do it. Yeah. Wouldn't this be exciting? You're so into film. And so I did it. I started bidding on this day on the set with M. Night Shyamalan. And the proceeds would go to his education foundation, which I found to be very interesting. So I started bidding against this dentist in New Jersey. And, we, and, it, <laughs> <That's> awesome. <laughs> and it was going back and forth. And we went home and I went about my day. I went back to work the next day. But I kept an eye on it and I kept bidding on it. And it kept going up and up. And I thought, oh. So I went home and told my husband, by the way, I'm in the red here for this. And he <laughs> the said, congressional but, meeting costs more than it, it ever has. <laughs> absolutely. And so short story is I was sitting at work. I knew they were going to call it at a certain time on this day. So I had my iPhone next to my computer and boom, Melissa Davey wins a day on the set with M. Night Shyamalan, which I did. Wow. A couple of weeks later, I was I spent an entire eight hours with him and his crew. And I mean, he had me behind the camera with him. He was so open and welcoming and interested in what I was 
thinking or answered all the questions I had. And when I left there that night in the dark and drove home, I was like, this is, of course, I'm going to do this. And I came in the house and my husband said, how was it? And I said, I'm quitting my job. (laughs) I am going to make a film. I was so excited about it. And that's how it launched the idea. If you're getting smarter, help us reach more minds. Leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Tell your friends to follow us on social or subscribe to our newsletter at senioritiauthority.org. What a fabulous story. Yeah. What a fabulous story. And you're just open to understanding at what point do you stop beating your head against the wall, doing something you've done for the last 20 years and do something that sounds like really feeds your soul. Yes. It's like it captured your imagination. It was invigorating. Yes. This is so exciting. And what was the reaction (laughs) to people when you said, I'm quitting my job, filmmaker? My husband's known me a long time. So he kind of was like, oh, okay. You know, and he didn't say too much. I don't I know. I don't know whether he thought I was just excited by the day and knows that I get very excited about things that interest me or what. But he just stepped back and let it all happen. Then the next day I did go to my CEO and I said, I've made a decision. I am going to give my notice. I gave a year's notice because it would take that long to mentor somebody. And I wanted to feel like I had put that baby to rest and that I was also planning for how I was going to step into this new career. So I gave a year's notice and (laughs) the CEO said, and he knew me for a long time, he said, well, what are you going to do? Because he knew that I wasn't going to just go sit on a porch and drink mojitos and rock back and forth. So I said, well, I'm going to make a film. And, he, and I remember him looking at me, shaking his head, going, well, that sounds about right. And that's how it started. So for that whole year that I stayed working, I was handing it over to other people. And at the same time, creating this new venture, finding a production company to help me do this and setting up all these phone interviews to try to find women. Because I knew right away that I was going to do a film about older women because it was the only thing that made sense to me at the moment. An underserved voice, women that become invisible. I was in their category and I thought, okay, I should at least do something I know something about. So that's why I picked women's voices over the age of 60. Well, because they say to writers, write what you know. And I would assume filmmakers, it's the same thing. When you started the idea of I'm interviewing women over 60, Did you have a message or a theme that you thought would come out of this? My hope, because I I assumed, I was assuming something. So my hope was that their resilience would show through, that their continued relevance, no matter how old they are, would show through and shine through in this film. That was the idea, was to hear their backstories. How did they grow up? What did they do? Why did they do it? And what are they doing now? Showing that they're beyond 60, but they're not stopping. They're not stopping. They were just like me. They were either continuing on something and growing it and expanding it, or they were trying new things. But they had this excitement, every one of them, 
about moving forward at 60, 70, 80 plus years old. And that's so important because as we said at the top of the show, people are living much longer. We're not our yes. grandparents. We've got new knees, new hips, and we have you know, 20 to 30 more years, your mom right. is 96. Right. So, I mean, you got a long time to go, but I think that is somewhat of a new perspective for some people. How did you choose? So you interviewed over a hundred women to get the nine women in your film Beyond 60. How did you start compiling a list of women? The first thing I did, and when I say I interviewed them, I did this over the phone. I just started calling people um, that I had read about or that I'd uh, been referred via a friend and just started calling people and talking with them and asking them what they were doing and telling them where I was headed with this film and would they be interested. And after a while, I just kept getting referrals or finding new stories. And I don't know how it happened organically. It was like a snowball. And I had such great conversations with so many women all over the country. It was phenomenal. But then I realized I have to figure out if I'm going to make a film, it's only going to be so long. And, yeah. you know, how many stories could I really fit? So I started playing with the idea that somewhere between eight and 10 women would fit in a full length feature documentary film if I gave each of them so many minutes to talk. Right. So I kept being drawn back to this whittled down list. Mm -hmm. You know, I kept whittling the list. Some people weren't interested. They were afraid to be on camera. Some I didn't click with, you know, not right. in that way right. where they were great, but yeah, it just didn't happen. And then I just kept going back and back and I whittled it down and I ended up with nine people, nine women in the film that their stories were completely different. They look completely different. They are from different places, different ages, but they all had something that I could relate to. And we all had a connection so that we, even if they weren't going to be in the film, they wanted to continue to connect and talk. And they were just open and honest and lovely people. So I, at the end of the day, I chose them and then started on this three-year process of getting their interviews first on the phone and then moving to paper and then moving with a camera crew to each of their locations. And they were all over the country. So wow. it, it took a while. It took quite a while. And it was quite a learning experience. I loved it. Oh, that's so exciting. Now, what do you think? I would think that coming into filming, filmmaking is definitely a young person's business, one would assume. Yes. But there's probably some you probably experienced some advantages because you have created things out of nothing before in your career and some disadvantages because people maybe didn't take you seriously. Tell me how that unfolded for you. Yeah, I, as I said, I had to find a production company to work with me and I had been mentoring a very young woman and was talking with her about what I was going to, she was, she was in the process of leaving her job. And I was uh, telling her, well, I want to leave mine and become a filmmaker. And she said, oh, well, my boyfriend, who's now her husband, is part owner in a film company, a production company in Philadelphia. 
I could at least in Philadelphia, right in your backyard. Yeah. Wow. So she said, I could introduce you and maybe his conversation with you will lead you somewhere. That will be a start. Mm -hmm. So I met with him maybe at the time he was not yet 30, I don't think. And he said, yeah, I have two partners and, you know, both men and both very young men. And he said, let me take it back to them because I'm real interested in what you want to do. So I thought, okay, well, why not? And so he went back to his partners, talked about it, then invited, they invited me in for a meeting and they had said, we want to do this with you. We want to do this. Wow. So it was mostly young men, but they were also bringing on young women as camera operators and whatnot. They were a growing concern in Philadelphia. And we hit it off. We liked each other. And so I became the mentee and they were the mentors as far as this is how you film. This is what we need. Here's the equipment we need. Here's what it will look like. This is how we develop a call sheet. This is how we schedule everything. This is how we produce. So they taught me how to produce a film and they brought with them the expertise of lights, camera, sound, action, all of that. And we became this partnership to create and make Beyond 60. And it was amazing. But again, I was very used to working with much younger individuals. I worked with older as well as younger and I always like that intergenerational feel anyway, mm-hmm. because they see things I don't see and they see them in a different light. Um, and I've always been, whether it be in business or in filmmaking, I was always curious as to how I saw something and then how they translated it into what they saw, because it brings a more oomph to the table, so to speak. And it gives me uh, just a broader view of how something I would create would be seen by people. So working with them was fantastic. Well, sure, because your film is interesting to people of all ages and you want to make it interesting to somebody who's 20 or 30 or 60 or 70. So understanding what is intriguing to a different age group is, I think, really important to creating a relevant film. Absolutely. And it it sounds like you had a master class in filmmaking from them. That must have been fun. I did. It was like I lived there with them for three years. And again, they had other work. So it extended. We didn't just quickly do this. We did the filming over a couple years time. And then we had to do all the editing and everything else to get the film where it was at the end. So it was just a fantastic experience all around. Loved it. Is, is that the time frame you anticipated when you started this, having not done this before? Did no. you think it's going to take me three years or five years or six months? What was your I expectation? I went into this when I met with them. I said, I want to do this in one year. I have a plan and it's going to be, you know, I was used to building yeah. things that were due yesterday to the insurance industry. So I said, clearly we can do this in a year. And I remember the three guys sitting there and they all kind of looked at each other and then started to chuckle. And they said, that is very lofty as a goal for making a documentary film. It it averages around five years. And I said, Oh, well, I I said, I'm old. I want to move forward. (laughs) I don't want to wait. I have time. (laughs) And so they laughed and they said, we hear you. 
all in all, it was just under three years that we finished the film and had it edited and it was ready for film festivals, which everybody that I speak to in the film industry said, that's pretty quick. You did that very quickly. So I guess it's kind of quick, but it was longer than I, I anticipated. Well, it, and again, it's learning. So you yes. didn't have to go to a class or take a, a filmmaking course. You just dove in and said, let's yeah. get this done. Yeah. I think I am much, and I know this about myself, I'm a hands-on site learner, mm -hmm. much better than listening to lectures and reading books. Not that I didn't read books about documentaries, but that it didn't serve me as well as just climbing in with them, watching them, listening to them. And logic was there as well, because interviewing was simple. That part yeah. was the easy part. It was, where do we want to film this? What should the lighting be? What about the sound? We were in different places all the time. So it, to create something that was somewhat put together appropriately was a challenge. But yeah, the learning was, it was awesome because it was hands-on. And that's my learning style. And it's a phenomenal film that's gotten Thank a you. great response from film festivals. Can you tell our listeners where they can see the film now? Yes. Now the film is streaming. We did eight film festivals all through 19, 2019, and it was a great experience. And then COVID hit and there wasn't a lot that we could do with distribution. But last year, early last year, a distributor came out of the woodwork and said, we want to distribute this for you. So it is now on demand on cable TV for anybody that still has cable TV. And my understanding is a lot of senior people still do. So they can go on demand and go to the search bar and type in Beyond 60 and it will come up. Uh, it is also streaming on almost every platform, Amazon Prime, Vimeo, Google TV, Apple TV, Vudu, all of those platforms, it's available to rent or purchase. And you'll find a link to all of those in our show notes. What are you hoping, Melissa, that people walk away from after seeing this film? What's a message that you're really hoping resonates with the audience? I hope that they feel inspired and I hope that they feel that they can challenge any thoughts that they might have about being stuck or staying in one job or not being the right age to, to venture into something new. And I've seen that happening with people that watch the film. So that's my hope. That is my hope. What do you think after doing so much research and interviewing, what do you think stops people from that exploration? Do you have a real drive? You view your life in chapters. You're not done. What do you think stops more people at 60 or 65 from plunging into something completely new to them? I think a lot of it's media driven and the way that older people are seen as having this finite period of work that just ends at a certain age. And then you, I mean, look at the commercials that are on TV for older people. It's about medicine and it's about Depends diapers. They have really brainwashed people, I think, into 
thinking that maybe I'm done, maybe I won't be seen as viable, because that is the rhetoric that's out there. And the companies that end, end people's employment when they are at the height of knowledge and the height of their ability to bring positive results to a company, many are then age-shamed and pushed out. I mean, that is, you know, people don't like to talk about that because it's uncomfortable, mm-hmm. but it's a real issue. And I think that especially women, especially women over the age of 60, 60 plus, the message is that you are done at a certain point. You become a grandmother. You become, you know, this figure that is not viable or can be reinvented. And yeah. I think that we've, I think that we've taken that on and it sits on our shoulders and that there's a lot of self-doubt with a lot of people out there and the women that I've spoken with, you know, some of them have tried to work through this and see it as an issue, but it's a problem. It is a problem. It is that invisibility and that assumption that you're not relevant anymore. And I tell you, anyone that is feeling that way, you just spend some time with this film and you will walk away very invigorated and understanding that you're not done and there's a lot more to do. Yeah. And speaking of not being done, can you tell me what's next on your plate? Melissa, are you working on another film? I am. Ooh. I am. I know. Can you tell I'm, us? Yeah, I can tell you a little bit because it's early, but I am in pre-interviews with a woman who is my age in her 70s, and she is a phenomenal woman with an incredible story that will blow your socks off. And so we're in the preliminary stages of getting the early interviews, and our hope is to start filming this summer. So again, we're waiting for the COVID stuff to hopefully dissipate yes. um, and, and get a little better managed. And then she's in California. And so I anticipate being out there in a few months to start the filming. And since it's a one-person film, I think it will be done in a year. So I knew you, so I knew you were going to say that. This one I'll get done in a year. <laughs> I think that I can. I think that I can do that. So With your same production company. I know. Actually, I'm going to produce this on my own. Wow. And I am going to go out and pull a crew together and just because I want that challenge as well. They taught me enough so that I believe that I can you know, manage this on my own. We will see and bring in the right people as needed to get the film done. Um, wow. as a, yeah. Yeah. So that is so exciting. Yeah, it is exciting. Wow. Okay. So we'll stay tuned for that. And, uh, one woman story, more of a documentary. And for those listeners who would like to see the film, it is on, uh, will be in the show notes. Is there any last thing that you'd like to share with our listeners about your journey or your process or what to do if you start doubting yourself? Yeah, I just want people to know about me. I did not come from an extremely supportive environment. I did not have things given to me or things were not easy for me coming up. So I want people to realize that if I can do something like this, almost anybody, as long as you're still healthy, could try whatever they want. 
And when you try things, a lot of times you fail at little pieces of it, but that's okay because every failure is a learning experience. And you take that and you put that in your learning bucket and you move forward. Just not to give up and don't uh, dismiss your dreams. Don't dismiss something that maybe has been sitting in the back of your mind for many, many years uh, that you think, well, that's too frivolous. Well, I wasn't trained to do that or people will think I'm crazy or whatever. No, people need to start opening themselves up and following their dreams and knowing that there are people out there that will help them if you ask for help. So, and I've seen that with my film. I've had women 60, 70 years old write to me and say, oh my God, I just started this and I was never going to do it until I heard those women's stories. I have started something new and I just want to thank you for the message. Oh. So that has been so gratifying. I don't want people to think that, oh, she probably had a lot of money or she probably, this was on her view for many, many years and it was a natural for her to do this. No, it wasn't. It was a chance that I was taking. It was a risk. And once you can get through the fear of the risk, mm -hmm. it's worth it. It is so worth it to really push against any fears that you might have to try something new because it invigorates you and it helps you stay young. I mean, you just get so excited doing something new. I'm sure you can relate to that. Absolutely, because this podcast is new and That's right. I didn't know what I was doing when I started it. And I assembled a lot of smart people around me to help me figure it out as we went along. And it's yeah. unbelievably rewarding. It's yeah. enabled me to connect with hundreds of people I wouldn't have had a conversation with. And that's right. what I'm hoping through this podcast and these interviews is that people will start thinking differently about aging and about the time they have and yeah. stop looking yeah. at the lack and look at the opportunity. Yes, because there's and a lot of opportunity. There really is. And we need all of the wisdom and the creativity we can get. Yes, I agree. Well, thank you so much. This has been so inspiring. And I am hoping that everyone listening runs out, watches the film, and then starts thinking about how they can change their life. Thank you. Thank you very much, Melissa. That's our show for today. Please check out our show notes for links on where to view Beyond 60. And if you enjoyed this conversation, please give us a rating on Apple Podcasts so more people can find us and change their expectations about growing older. And until then, enjoy the chance to get smarter about growing older. <laughs>